Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact. This is the last of eight sessions that I've been doing on the book of John. I am convincing myself not to say the Gospel of John because in the beginning of this program I explained that John is not a Gospel. There are only three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is Hebrew wisdom literature, which is different from a Gospel. It asks very deep questions and penetrates to understand the nature of God, what he is doing, who he is, what he is doing. And uh, the Gospel of John, if you, would, if you view it this way, you're, you're going to get another look at it. It, it really is, is powerful. In this last session, I'm going to focus on the long uh, discourses in chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, and in there, much of them are giving instruction to the disciples of Yeshua. Now, all with faith in Christ belong to God. I have personally come to the conclusion, this is my personal uh, conclusion, that all Jews also belong to God. He calls them his firstborn son. He declares that he's their father. And 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 so there are... A, a, Many who belong to God, they they have the promise of eternal life with God at some time in the future, but only some of them become disciples. That was true in um, the Hebrew scriptures. That's true in our our own time today. Only some become disciples. And um, uh, the, the instruction in these long discourses is specifically to disciples. Now, if you are listening to this program, I, I have every expectation that you are a disciple. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this program. <laughs> um, a disciple is simply someone who's a follower of Yeshua. That's all it is. And and, and the person has committed in, in his or her heart to walking in the ways of God, to submitting, to so obeying, and to serving. That That's what it's all about. That's a disciple. So let's look at the destruction, instructions for the, for the disciples. Uh, we'll review very briefly. In the last session, um, we, we heard Yeshua say that the Father is in me, I am in the Father. And that was metaphorically speaking. It's not literal. It's metaphorically speaking. And and the fact that they are uh, the Father is in the Son, the Son is in the Father, makes them one. Now, um, then we got, we got we introduced this whole concept of the disciples. And... I showed you from Colossians that if you have faith in Christ, Christ is in you. Uh, that's, I think, Colossians one twenty six or 27. Christ is in you. And that applies to every single believer in Christ, whether that person is a disciple or not. And with Christ in you, it's a gift from God. It comes from your faith in Christ. It's a gift. It's a gift. Now, Christ in you, you remember that um, God, the Father, was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. We read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. 
Now, God the Father has no form. No man has seen him at any time. But we know his nature. His nature is holy. His nature is spirit. His nature is truth and light and goodness and uh, peace. That, that's the nature of God. And whatever that nature of God is, it was in Christ because he was reconciling the world unto himself because Christ would, would always speak for the, the words of the Father, would do the acts of the Father. It was as if the Father himself were doing it. That's the ancient concept of agency. So, um, so now we hear that Christ is in you, whether you're a disciple or not. If you believe in Yeshua, Christ is in you. It's a gift from God. It means you belong to God with a promise of uh, future eternal life. And and that, that nature of God is in you, which is Holy Spirit. It's in you. Now, uh, we read from Paul. He says, if Christ is in you, and you know that Christ is in you if you, have, if you believe in Yeshua. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So Christ is in you, and you have the Spirit of God in you, which which gives you... See, God is righteous, so it gives you the nature of God, which is righteousness. But you have to do something to make it work, to operate it, that Holy Spirit. And that's the concept of when you are in Christ. Now stop, I've got to stop and let you really think about this for a minute. Christ in you is the gift you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the promise of future eternal life. When you are in Christ, you are walking as he walked. You are speaking the words that he gives you. You are doing the acts that he gives you. That's the disciple. And th- that's the one who is dedicated to serving the Lord Yeshua. That's the disciple. So, all those who belong to God or all the believers have Christ in them but only some are in Christ when you're in Christ you speak for Christ you prophesy that's what prophecy is you, you prophesy you speak the words of God through Christ you're speaking the words of, of your Lord and Master Yeshua you walk as he walked in other words you're doing all the actions you're doing the works his works you know Yeshua cannot operate on this earth without disciples. He can't do it. He can't do it in his own right. God set it up that way. He, he has to be working with his disciples. Um, and, and you work together. It's not that he's working through you. He's, he's working with you. You're, okay, and we'll see that in just a minute. So um, if you are in Christ, you're walking as he walked. You do the works of Christ. You shine forth the light of God because the light of God is in Christ and Christ is in you. So when you're walking as Jesus Christ walked, you're shining forth the light of God and people can see it. And we read this in, in John uh, chapter 2, verse 6. Uh, but this is not the, uh, the book of John. This is First John, First John 2, 6. The one who says he abides or dwells in Christ ought himself to walk in the same manner as Yeshua walked. So when we are in Christ, we're abiding in him, we're dwelling in him, we're one with him, and then we walk as he walked. So we have the um, uh, Yeshua saying, talking about the relationship of Yeshua to the Father, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? 
And um, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So Yeshua and the Father are one. The Father is in Christ. Christ is in the Father. They are one. So when you get to know Yeshua, you know the Father because he's doing all the things that the Father, it's as if he were the Father doing those things. Now, extend it to disciples. All right. You have Christ in you. It's a gift. But now you're going to operate it. We're going to look at that in just a minute. You're going to operate that gift that's in you. And you're going to walk as Yeshua walked. You can say the same thing of yourself when you are walking in righteousness, that when people see you, they see the Messiah. Because when you are walking in righteousness, you are speaking for him, you are acting for him, you are shining the light of God through your faith, through Christ who is in you. So when people see you, they see the Messiah. When you're in Christ. Now you're not in Christ all the time. We, we work on that. We, we do, you know... We work on it. Now, let's take a look at instruction to the disciples. Uh, we have uh, Yeshua talking in John 14, verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father. Now, he is one with the Father. He has a relationship with the Father. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, this is referring to the gift of the Holy Spirit, which was yet to come at this point when Yeshua was, was talking. Um, that the now I want to take a look at the word helper. That's an English translation. The Greek word is parakletos. Uh, kletos is the word to call. It's the Greek word to call. Parak means beside. So the Holy Spirit does not pop up and be there. You have to call him to your side. Parakletos means to call to your side. You have to call him to your side. You have to do something. Um, you know, it isn't, it's latent that the gift of the Holy Spirit is latent in you and you have to do something. By the way, the way you activate it is by your faith and love of Christ. That's all that's required. It's almost too simple to be true because Satan wants to rob us of that understanding. So I'll say it again. All you have to do to operate the gift of the Holy Spirit is to walk in your faith and love of Christ. That's it. Now, the English translations have referred to the Holy Spirit as he, as if it's a, um, a person. God, the Father, has no form. No man has seen him at any time. His nature is holy. His nature is spirit. And the, his nature, that Holy Spirit, is in you. They use the pronoun he because Greek has no it. It's either masculine or it's feminine. And the, um, the, the spirit, um, it's interesting because, um, well, parakletos, all right, parakletos is the Greek word, uh, uh, this, uh, calling to, the helper calling to your side. And that's a masculine word, so they say he. So, uh, I will ask the Father, and he, the Father, will give you another helper, that he, the helper, may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. But it's not a physical form. It's, it's, um, it's the same thing as the Father. It's, you, there's no form to it. It's holy, it's spirit, it's, it's the nature of God. So, and it says that that spirit will be with you forever. 
you know, some people teach that you can pray the Holy Spirit in and the Holy Spirit goes away. That's not what the New Testament tells us. The New Testament tells us that it's a gift and you have it and it's there, but it's latent waiting for you to operate it. Now, there's another verse I want to point out to you about the Holy Spirit. Um, in uh, John 14:26, Yeshua says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit. Now, he's identifying the Helper as the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. So as the Father sent Yeshua, so the Father is sending the Holy Spirit through Christ. You have no other way of getting it except through Christ. And then it says he, but it's referring to the Holy Spirit. There's no it. I don't know what you say. Let's just say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So the, the role of this Holy Spirit, which has no form, which is holy in spirit that's in you, the nature of God that's in you, is to guide you, to teach you and guide you. How? In the ways of righteousness. Where are the ways of righteousness? In the law. But you don't have to put 613 laws in your head. For for those with faith in Christ, they have, Paul says, and it's metaphorical, they have the law written on their hearts. And they activate it by their love and faith in Christ. They walk in the love of Christ. They they walk in their total faith and confidence and submission to Christ. And that is what activates the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will guide you in the ways of all righteousness. It will, it will guide you to walk in the ways of God. And you're walking as Jesus Christ walked. Now, there's more instruction here to the disciples. And Yeshua does it with the imagery of a grapevine. And he says in John 15, this is all in those long discourses, John 15, verses 1 and 2, I, Yeshua says, am the true vine. So get a picture of a grape vine. They often have um, like um, stakes and then wire between the stakes so that the vines will grow up up and be held over on on those wires. Um, So get a picture of the grape vine. My father is the vine dresser. So the father is the one who planted, planted seed, you know, and, and made the soil fertile. Yeshua is the, is the vine. Now, this is all a metaphor, of course. Yeshua is the vine. Now, there are branches growing out from the vine. And these branches are, are God's children. And it says, Yeshua says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the Father, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he, the Father, prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Now, taking it away, uh, Paul does the same thing in Romans um, 11, talking about this imagery of the the vine and Yeshua being the root. He's the root. And... um, and how God has broken off branches of Israel. I've done a book, Romans 9 to 11, and in that I, I demonstrate, I worked very hard to demonstrate, that the, all of Romans 9 to 11 is about the remnant. So the branches that have been broken off doesn't mean that they're not going to be saved. They still belong to God, but they're not going to be part of the remnant. That's what it means. And then Paul goes on to say, but you better be careful, you Gentile believers, because you can be broken off too. And that's Yeshua is saying that to us, and he says, if if you're not bearing fruit, you, it's you know you're you're not a disciple, 
you're not a disciple you're not you're not growing with me as your as the vine as the root you know but if you're if you make me your lord and your master and you're following me as a disciple you're going to bear fruit now the way they they do the the um, grapevines is um, they prune back the older branches and then the new branches will come forth and they'll come forth in um, more abundance. So where you broke off one branch, you may have two new branches coming out. And that's these are the instructions to the disciples. And so what we get in this, um, Yeshua says, abide in me to bear fruit. And that's when you are in Christ. And so the non-producing branches will be cut off, not cut off from eternal life, but cut off, cut off from being one with Yeshua. Um, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can only speak for God, act for God, if you are 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 clinging to Yeshua. If you if you are, if you are one with Him, that's the only way you can work miracles. And if you're one with Him, you should be working working miracles. Whatever disciples wish, it shall be done for them. That's what Yeshua says. And He says, "Keep my commandments and abide in my love. Abide is to dwell. Dwell in my love." So by keeping the commandments. Now, uh, there's something else that he goes to explain to these disciples. This is instruction to the disciples. And this is really powerful because it says, Yeshua says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So it's a conditional. I'm not going to be your friend if you don't follow me and obey me. I'm not going to be your friend. That doesn't mean you don't get eternal life. We have to explore the word for friend. Now, you you can't do it without going back to the Hebrew Scriptures, um, because the, the New Testament is a, is a commentary on the Hebrew Scriptures. There are over three hundred citations alone in the New Testament of the Hebrew Scriptures, and much of the thought that is in the New Testament is is coming from the Hebrew Scriptures. Because this before you know when the New Testament was when these things were happening, there was no New Testament. <laughs> and and the the people that first Christians knew the Hebrew scriptures by heart. They didn't have books. They memorized it. They knew it by heart. So the connection to the Hebrew scriptures is that there are two words for friend in the Hebrew scriptures. And the one that is used most often is re'ah, which means um, a, a member of your family, a neighbor, Someone, you know, because these villages were very small, and there was a lot of intermarriage, and you know, they they knew each other intimately. They worked on each other's fields. They knew each other well. Their neighbors and the members of their community. That's a friend. There's another word that's a friend, but it has a very different meaning. It's chaver. The plural is chaverim. In Israel today, that word chaverim is used for just any old friend. It really is is like the re'ah in in the Hebrew scriptures, um, but we're in the Hebrew scriptures. We're thinking first century. The people of the first century knew those Hebrew scriptures, and that word chaver has a very different meaning. It's not just a member of your family or someone who lives in your village. It's someone that you are so closely connected with that you become one. You are not two separate people anymore. You become one. The same word is used of the tabernacle. And we read in Exodus 26, 3, five curtains shall be joined to one another. Joined is our, our word, the, the verbal root, chavar. They shall become one to one another. 
and the other five curtains shall be joined to one another. So the tabernacle has those those panels that that overlap so that they become one. And we got the same thing. Uh, let's see, um, with the, um, the the ephod is put together so and is joined to become one. So that, that becoming one is used to the tabernacle and the ephod, holy holy things for God. And that's that's what I think is Yeshua is referring to now. He there's only one word in Greek for friends, but I think he's referring to the Chavarim, you are my Chavarim, if you do what I command you. So that if you're if you're submitting to him, obeying him, walking in his ways, be, serving him, working for him, you are one with him. You become one with him. You are in him. You become one with him. And he then is your friend. He cannot be your friend if you're separate from him. And you're separate from him by your own choice of walking in the ways of the world. That's when you're separated from him. But he wants you to be one with him. Now, why have the disciples been called? I want to go into that one. That's an important one. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And then it goes on. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Um, you know, I don't I don't think I can explain it. Bearing fruit for God is when you're when you're working for him, you're serving him. You don't always see the fruit. You're out there working for God, serving your Lord Yeshua, and and you don't always see the fruit. But sometimes God lets you see the fruit, and it really is powerful. Um, you know, you, you you spoke some word, and a person was healed, or or um, it changed a person's life, or it saved a marriage, or something. I don't know. You know, you 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 bear fruit. And and then we read another one I want to explain to you. If you shall ask the Father for anything, he will give it to you in my name. Now, that doesn't mean all children of God. That only means the disciples, because the disciples are going to ask the right questions. They're going to ask for things that allow them to walk in righteousness. Uh, and that's the disciples. So if you're a disciple, you ask. It's going to be given you. But... You know, you're asking because you've submitted. You're serving your Lord Yeshua. Now, um, I'm picking, picking out some of these verses. It's, they're fascinating about your role as a disciple. Yeshua is praying to the Father. Again, we're in the long discourses. We're in uh, John 17. And he says, sanctify these disciples in in the truth. Your word is truth. So how are they going to be made holy? Sanctify means to be made holy. By knowing the word of God. For their sakes, I sanctify myself. I become holy so that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth because they're going to cling to me. They're going to be one with me. They're going to get to know me. And then there's another one. The glory which you have given me, I have given to these disciples that they may be one just as we are one. Now, the glory I picture as brilliant light the light of God, and I picture the light of God shining out of me when I'm, you know, I can feel it when I'm, I'm, I'm working for God, I'm one with God, I can feel it. All right, now here's more instructions to the disciples, and listen to this one, this is important. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. So God is leaving you in the world. Yeshua, your Lord, is leaving you in the world because there's work to be done. And, and, but Satan is rampant in the world. And so he's praying 
that 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 God will keep us from the evil one. And he goes on, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, but they're placing us back in the world because there's work to be done. All right, now, let's see. There's a, oh, here's what I want to end with. This is interesting. This is in John 16, verse 2. And, you know, he's really talking about the Jewish leaders. We'll make you outcasts from the synagogue. He's talking to his disciples. You're going to be outcast from the synagogue. You're going to be expelled. Uh, your life is going to be very, very, very difficult. And that can be true of us today. Our lives can be very difficult. God has placed us in the world. Um, our, we we do the work of God. Um, and then he says, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. And that's what's happening in the Middle East today. You know, they're, they're trying to kill the Jews. They're trying to kill people in the United States, um, thinking that they're the holy ones. And that's just what we read. An hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God, to Allah, to whatever God there is. And that's, that's something that is going to happen in our lives because God has placed us in the world to do the work of God in the world. With that, I must say, shalom. <laughs>